This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. And on the back of Melbourne scoring 6,000 points on Saturday night, we thought what better time to have our number one Storm fan in here to just rub their success in everyone else's faces. M. Sprouster, hello. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm sure you... that, that five minutes of the game where the West Tigers scored two tries must have been really hard for you. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even watch the full game. Ah, why, why, why would you? Why would you? I mean, if, and if you guys don't know who M is, she's one of those new women to the sport of the last two or three weeks. She ha- she, from her own account, she hated the game. And then she saw all those sin beans. Like, that's it. I love this sport now. So that's, yep. that's, what, that's what, what happened. The first yeah. woman to like rugby league, I believe, if, if you ask some people. It's true. And, and now I speak on behalf of all women. You do. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Great. Um, We'll get to the storm, but we should just let's work our way backwards, starting on um, uh, back last week on Thursday night, Mitchell. Um, I mean, we knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yes, we did. The only the only question was how many tries Alex Johnson would score, and I'm annoyed that Dane Gagai just is not Dane Gagai must be part of the Ken Irvine Mafia because <laughs> he just kept taking tries away from my boy on his pursuit to the all time NRL record, forty six nil in favor of the Red and Green. Um, and uh, well, what's the point? I mean, Gagai rudely asked Johnson twice to beat a man as well. That's, That's too much. <laughs> like, twice he got him one-on-one and Johnson had no business being one-on-one. He doesn't want to be one-on-one, mate. It's got to be one-on-none. That's how it works. That's it. I mean, again, we we went into this game and it was another case of... And the, the weekend calmed that chat. But again, oh, this Brisbane team was worse than last year. It's like, no, it's still not, eh? <laughs> like, yeah, they lost 46-0, but it's still not. Yeah, they consider the most points. They're still not, though. It's like our new head of football, Ben Iken, made a great point on on TV last week saying that, like, they're not the only team that can see 50 points twice this year. You know, South have. That's what the game is now. Like, and then they and got pounded. Didn't, didn't concede 50. So, didn't, you know. But, like, I mean, they were in this game for about 11 minutes. They looked, they looked, they were competing for about 11 minutes. And then uh, I can't remember exactly what broke it. Did we drop the ball or something? What happened? Okay. Oh, yeah, the uh, they Payne threw that on the oh, sorry, from they, Payne Haas. Yeah, and the no-try call with the knock-on against the trail. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, then you guys scored, and it's like, well, yeah, now it's just about how much. And, uh, yeah, it was lots. <laughs> I will say that that Cody Walker flip inside ball back to trail was sick. It was. It was sensational. Some would say. Um, see Jack White and make that pass. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I think that argument's over. I think it was arguing. <laughs> I will have to, really no, nice you don't understand. I wasted like two years of my life trying to convince these mm. idiots that Cody Walker was the better player. So now they will be hammered into the ground <laughs> every week for the rest of Cody Walker's career. Um, yeah, look, it is, there's not much to say from a South point of view. I knew we would win this game. I knew we'd win it by a lot of points. I mean, I'm glad they held them to zero. That's always nice to do. Um, but I mean, does it mean anything in the grand scheme of things when we show up against Penrith or Melbourne in a prelim later this year? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll say pretty much all the Broncos chat yeah. till we're talking later. That's every, it's all yeah. like topics rather than game chat. Uh, you can talk nice about Xavier Coates, though. Oh, yeah, oh, great yeah. try saver. I mean, that was fucking sick. Literally, the only thing he's good at this season is turning and chasing. He caught the troll like three times in a horizontal Chasing Rabbitohs players as well. <laughs> Just he ran players. around the outside of AJ and he still got there. Yeah, yeah. 
Amazing. And that, by the way, that F thing, by the way, is one of the reasons why I say the team is better than last year. They still actually try. They just suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he tried, but yeah. They didn't yeah, try. They, can't, last they year. can't help that they're hopeless, but at least they're trying not to be. Yes. They, yeah. They will. Sorry, Mitch. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm living yeah. my worst life, but I'm here. It's all right. <laughs> I can't even revel in this. I remember, like, I cut, like, probably the first year we did the podcast, 2015, and probably. 2018 really the like the last and like because like Souths were crap in 2016 and 17 and the Broncos have been crap since Wayne left we, so we had, used to have a little bit of rivalry when we played each other but now it's kind of just like yeah it'll come so back we know what's gonna happen on a similar level but at the moment now we don't like again yeah it doesn't actually mean anything when you're going into it like this like no, you're right we had a couple of years on a podcast there that I mean, we beat you guys. Every you beat us. Like, it took until I think 2019, 2019 was the first time since we yeah. started the show that Souths beat Brisbane. Yeah, and that 2015 one was a big one, obviously, as you know. And then, like the, I think the last one in 2018. Well, it's, no, the first one 2018 it was kind of close. The 24-20. No, yeah, it was the bullshit one where that George Burgess got called offside mm. when he was 20 meters away from the ball, and and, and the Milford yeah. field goal game as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, but the moment, yeah, yeah, the Doyle the Doyle Bongo Trophy is very much just a non-event at the moment. So Ben, I can have to sit down there next week and go, how do I fix NRL Boom Rookies? Yeah, <laughs> so he's gonna say it's a <laughs> priority one, and then two, the Broncos, because we do need the rivalry back. It doesn't want really to uh, count right now. Well, you take your halfback away from one team and you give it to That's, the other it, team. Look, <laughs> he will fix a lot of these problems, but a lot of them will be like they still don't. I'm still not convinced at their hooking situation. Yeah. Um, backline's obviously going to be a little bit worse without Coates there. Um, I mean, I Adam has put his hand up this week that he'd like to work with Anthony Milford. And I was like, listen, Adam, nobody's <laughs> asking you to do this. No one's asking you to believe. <laughs> We've all been there. It just hurts. Only leads to pain. He will only let you down. Don't do it, Adam. But what if he turned him around? <laughs> but what if? Yeah, think about it. It's for the last uh, four years. <laughs> um, yeah, look. All right, we'll talk about the Broncos later. Not much to write home about for South. Very routine win. Uh, Sharks, they were up by a 1,000 against the Cowboys. And then suddenly it was a two-point game with a couple of minutes left. Campo and I were watching this together. And he exclaimed, the king of weird shit has done it again. <laughs> when Kyle Felt scored that try. Which, again, was very weird. And only Kyle Felt would score, some, uh, score a try like that. It was fantastic. Oh, Credit it was great. Stewie. <laughs> And it was the biggest fuck changes. you to them, wasn't it? It was amazing. <laughs> pushed a guy out of the way. Pushed a guy like, out of the yeah. way. And he did it to Will Chambers as well in his face, which was great. <laughs> pretty much crushed any chance of Will Chambers getting back into origin, right? Just that <laughs> one play alone? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, 100%. And the Sharks are like kind of good now. Mm. Like, it's weird. They've beaten... I mean, now obviously the Panthers win was a bit of an easier one with who was out, but they beat the Panthers, just beaten the Cowboys... And then who else did they beat? They beat another top eight side, didn't they, at some point? Oh, the Dragons, if they count. Do they count? Uh, no. No. <laughs> they are on the eight, so technically they count. But they're, what, three in a row now for the for the Sharks? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Good on them. Good on them. Well, I mean, Sean Johnson, again, just plays, plays another great game and then, like, just no contract offers come in. The Bulldogs are there. Who yeah, wants that, to go to the Bulldogs? That I don't understand. SJ's having a bit of a renaissance at the moment. And it's funny because last time I was on, um, we were talking about how awful they were. That was around the time that um, John Morris got flicked and they won that one game afterwards and everyone thought it wasn't going to be terrible. And then they lost the next, what, four in a row or something like that. And everyone's like, ah, this is what we were waiting for. But now they're winning again. So I don't really know what's going on over there, but um, they're 
stringing them together. Yeah. And uh, Will Kennedy's playing awesome. That was a great save. The ball's mm. going out. He's great. Mulatalo's um, been good. Connor Tracy's one of those guys, like, he ain't a winger, but he's been, do- been doing a great job there. So, and he might be in the halves in the next couple of years, but he's playing on the wing. So, good on him. Campo and I were having a fun chat about Connor Tracy. I honestly had never really paid any attention to him. And when we were at the Aurora last time, he was like, watch this guy. Watch how good he is. And he was he was great. He was good fun to watch. How he stayed in field, I don't know. Yeah. He's from uh, South, by the way. Oh, why'd they let him go? Well, yeah. because he's... Uh, well, where's he going to play? Halfback. Well, yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get him. But at the time... Mate, just saying, just another player south of left. To go. be fair, he <laughs> he played a couple of times during those origin ga- origin weeks, and he didn't really impress me at the time. No. But whatever, who who yeah. knows? He's been good. Blake Taft season. That's what we're all here for. But yeah, that Sharks team, like that forward pack on paper, you look at it and you think they must get dusted every week, but they don't. You know, they kind of hold their own. Like Aiden Tolman and Aaron Woods with no. Rudolph at lock, and then Britton Akora hasn't been the player we expected him to be, but him and Talakai in the back row just somehow goes okay. I don't know. I don't know. What's he going also on. played for South. Talakai, he did. <laughs> he did doing yeah. I, I don't know if like, <laughs> it's really hard to pick those last two teams in the top eight because they'll they finish have, eighth. They'll, they'll, they're just, they're just average. They're you fine. have no faith in any of the teams around there. It's like, you've got to pick two teams out of like Dragons, Sharks, Cowboys, Raiders, Warriors, Knights. Wow. Didn't even, uh, didn't even put the Tigers in the mix. Hurtful. No. Nah. For good reason. Wow. <laughs> yeah. you, you're officially out. I'm out. I'm out, oh, but dear. yeah, that's um. Like, I don't know. I guess the sharks you said probably might stake in eight now. They look like they might. Yeah, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, but yeah, there's there's that. Again, we've said it all year. It's 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 a contest to who gets belted by the roosters and manly in the first week of the finals. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Uh, the roosters though they they got belted. Uh, they were up early against Penrith. An upset was brewing, uh, and then a controversial Simbin swung the tide of the. I thought this was a send off, by the way. The tale that's the Takeaho one, yeah. Camp and I watching it together, we both thought it was a send off, but wow. Uh, I mean, I understand why he got Simbin, I don't think it's a send off. Have you um, rewatched it, Bungard, with a bit no. of you? <laughs> yeah, that probably explains that. Hey, with less alcohol as well. No, I was pretty sober at that point. No, I think uh, at eight o'clock. It's... He was falling well and truly yeah. into that tackle, and the way. Takiyahu kind of gently puts him on the ground. I don't think there was any malice or ill intent behind it. I think it was really accidental. Yeah. I mean, over a number of years, I know I've argued for symbians and send-offs and similar, and like, and falling into it isn't always an excuse when someone's being reckless. But it was like Takiyahu had, had to like cut his arm off to not hit him in the head, you know? <laughs> like, and it is, It's just a case of, again, there hasn't doesn't seem to be a protocol or a system they follow to go down to your know, checklist and go down and, you know, was, was it contact to the head? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Was it intentional or reckless? Yes or no? Whatever. They didn't seem to have that. It's just every time it's just a guess in the head. Okay. <laughs> Did it look like a symbol? Yeah. Okay. Bye. Yeah, then roll the magic eight ball and see <laughs> yeah. what it says. Yeah. Yeah, and then some other games you'll see a guy hit someone. Like I can't remember who did it on the weekend. I forgot, but they hit someone in the head. Oh, Hargreaves, I think, in this game. Two head-eye tackles mm. and, like, two sets, and he stayed on the field. But that that Simbin, like before that, Penrith looked truly rattled. The stadium was quiet. Simbin mm. happens. Penrith yeah. scored. Penrith had the ball for, like, nine minutes straight, and they, they won the game. I mean, they don't like, lose games it. once they get on a roll like that. They don't. And just cert- like, who's going to beat them? Like, I really just don't Storm know. Storm could beat him, mate. I guess. Mm. But, yeah. 
It just seems like the whole season's a waste of time until we get to that grand final. It really, really does. And I, I know that every year there's two or three teams that are better than everybody else, but I've never felt this strongly. Have you ever felt this certain about which two teams will be in a grand final in your life than this year? No, but I'm, I've never uh, had a year like rugby league like this before. Yeah. Roosters and Storm were, you know, pretty nah, much Nah, but even then, there was a year when, like, the Roosters fucked up and the Cowboys snuck in ahead of them. There was, like, Souths and Manly were pretty good for a while there. There was always, like, at least two. The Raiders made it one year. They beat Melbourne in a prelim. Like, there was always two or three or four or even five teams some years that could make it. But this year, it just feels like... Yeah, uh, I get it. I get it. Like, usually, maybe some years there's one that you well, know is going to be well, in there for sure, and way. then the other one is a mix I'll put it this yeah, way. Yeah. Souths and Parramatta are third and fourth right now. Emma, do you think either of them is playing in the grand final? No, and I didn't need a full name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call your father. If you don't oh, agree. no. Oh, no. Um, no, no, I, I, I don't. I don't think that they can beat Penrith or Melbourne. No, neither do I. It would take, I think Melbourne could probably lose like seven players and yeah. still just whatever. It would take Penrith losing some players. Well, if Penrith, I mean, if Penrith had Tyrone May in the halves and Cleary <laughs> was out, and Brett Naden having the worst game ever, and yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, and maybe like three forwards suffer separate misfortunes the day of the game, then maybe. Mm. Yeah. I mean, can we have an Origin game around about the time of the <laughs> yes. grand final? Yes, please. Yeah. Wait, no, that's bad for South as well. So well, you won't be like... there. You won't be in the grand final. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't matter. Before, <laughs> if it's the week before, if it's the prelim, we'll lose like eight players. All right, so that'll I'm be hiring... great. Parramatta might win the conference you schedule an origin for two weeks before the grand final. I'm hiring your boys. I'm hiring Latrell and I'm hiring whoever else to, um, you know, go in and infiltrate inside the Blues team and kill all of the Panthers players. I and think we play them. Kill. <laughs> uh, look, it could be a casual ACL injury and then Jesus. the following week. I'm Remove just... a ligament. I like that you're yeah. expecting like Latrell Mitchell has the surgical precision to injure someone's <laughs> ACL. Like, oh, well, I think he could just fall on them. Yeah. Oh, push him over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> is there, there was no need. There was no <laughs> so, need. Yes, Penrith scored so in this game. The other they scored some like really nice tries when they're on top. They moved the ball so fast and so quick. So so did the Storm. Like that's the mm-hmm. one big thing when you watch those two teams compared to the rest. Like they look oh. like they think everything they do is going to turn into points. Like oh man, that was the yeah. thing about the Sharks Cowboys game. Going back yeah. to that was that I was watching it and it was just taking and an era to get from the middle of the field to the edge. It was, yeah. you know, the fullback could run in line with the, with the ball. Yeah. Whereas these a... teams, they shift it so fast. You can't. Yeah. You can watch hundred percent. You watch the storm and Panthers play then watch pretty much any other team play. That's maybe like the eels and South and South with the ball. All right. Everyone else. Like it feels like it takes twice or three times as long to get the ball across the field. Mm. And yeah, they, they went re- did a really good job in, in this game. When they get on top, they went down the right, the start of the set and then swung left quick. Hmm. And yeah, they struck twice with Brian Toro, and then you just knew from then it was like, oh, this is over. Like they're not work, they're not working their way back in. And Cleary's got really good at kicking teams to death once they're ahead as well. So oh yeah, and they they pick the right time to go down the blind as well. So many other teams just mm. pick such odd moments to decide to go short. Whereas you know when Melbourne or you know the Panthers in particular are going down the short side, you know it's because there's a raid on. Yeah, you know it. they've they've got Burton. You know Toro's already on his wheels. Like he's he's moving. Yeah, and I mean, like this, this Roosters were missing like seven players, which, whatever. Yeah. So, but so that's why you knew once Panthers got on top, it was over. Yeah. They're going to be missing those players for the rest of the year, though. Really, like well, most Sam Kidd Walker. will be back. Yeah, <laughs> Sam Walker and Radley will be back. Yeah, and then the rest of them, whatever. Yep. All right. Uh, an absolute uh, <laughs> clunker to start I like this Super game. Saturday. 
there was a, a real slog fest in a, at a soaking wet Hunter Stadium. Newcastle coming out on top against Nathan Brown. Ten uh, six late Brody Jones try. The difference. Real arm wrestle, Mitchell. Did you say you like this game? Yes, I'm. 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 I'm the outlier here. Like I know these were the games in previous years of rugby league. These were the shittest games all every nah, year. At least it was close. <laughs> That's exactly why I liked it. I've, I've fallen for the dumb sucker thing that at least with five minutes ago I didn't know who was going to win this game. God, you so, sound like me from five years ago when we would just like lock teams out defensively, and I'd say, "Oh, yeah. I love defensive games." <laughs> no. no, I do like to fun defensive games, but this one was—I just didn't know who was going to win it, and the win was crazy. Same with the next game, we made it entertaining, oh, yeah. and um, Clifford was like just putting up bombs all day and ruining Reese Walsh's life. To this the kicking game was Origin. really good in this game, <laughs> but yeah, it was. And, the and, confusion um, between them and um, sorry, between Clifford and Pierce as to who was kicking and when though, like they. They didn't really know what the other one was doing at any given moment. Yeah, but I feel like they'll, they might be a good combination for each other because yeah, Clifford likes avoiding the ball sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like honestly, some games he doesn't want the ball for like three sets, you know. And mm. there's Pierce just like he he's one of those halfbacks like love him or hate him, he has his hand on the ball. You know, game going good or bad, he has his hands on the ball, and he was doing that in this game. But yeah, I didn't know who was going to win throughout the whole thing. Neither team played well, but right at the end there, like. The Warriors got that totally wrong. It's it's very rare I will hammer a team for taking the early field goal, but it was pissing down. It was like fucking thirty kilometer winds against them. The Knights are on their on their heels. Like then no one pushed up when they went to take the field goal. But like it was like they were twenty meters out. Just have, like have one more crack or two more cracks. Because then he missed and then gave the ball to a team that has the win with them. Like they mm. scored a try anyway, but they could have kicked the field goal from like sixty with that wind. Yeah. Like, don't, don't miss, you know, and maybe, like, if you're going to set for a field goal, like, they didn't have any noted kickers, but they only had Reese Walsh in the pocket as well. Mm-hmm. So you really couldn't at least fake that, like, Cody Nicarine was going to kick it. So that was terrible. But, you know, that's the poor coaching coming through in that team again. And they just, they should have more wins than they have. They just should. They don't. No. Um, the next game was also very weather affected, but um, another another close one, another fun one. Dragons coming out on top. Raiders throwing away the faders are back, aren't they? In a big way, and they play the Titans this week. And whichever team is winning by twenty-four points at halftime, I'm putting a large wager on the other team. Yeah, just can't finish games at all. I feel I, I do. I feel bad. Finally, this is the point where I finally start to feel bad for Raiders fans. It's taken no, three come years. On, did but... it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, re- I mean, they had that game. They had it completely wrapped up. They came out strong. They were playing really well, um, you know, for all of the fun that we make fun of Jack White for. I mean, I thought he played all right, especially in the first half. Yeah. And then I don't know what the hell happened. They just let the Dragons score points. I think a concerning thing for me is, again, just how, like, they lack game awareness, this Raiders side, and they always have, even when they were good. But I didn't know the wings were as strong as they were in this game until Ben Hunt ben put Hunt. a bomb up. Yeah, that, that thing that spiraled, kind of floated in the air and landed in front of yeah. where he kicked it from. <laughs> so that means the Raiders went like 30 minutes with that wind and not once, not once in that 30 minutes did they put a high bomb up. They didn't do one of those. They put a couple of chips up in attack. Not once did they, like Jack Whiten notoriously kicked the ball dead without trying. You know, why don't you get him to boot one from your 30, go for a 40-20 with that wind and see what happens. They didn't do it once in that first half. And then the second half, like the Dragons did it instantly, and you're like, oh, the, you just knew the Dragons are going to win that game from there. And I probably thought the Dragons were going to win more comfortably, but they took advantage of the conditions, mm. and the Raiders didn't. And, like, 
fair credit to Josh Hodgson. He's really bounced back from the pressure on his job. And he was really good in this game. And I actually don't know if they'll let him go, how well he's been playing the last couple of weeks. He played really well, but Sam Williams, his New South Wales Cup was showing. White went missing as the game went on. And then like, yeah, there's just not enough other smart players in that team. Like, yeah. And then they just bottled it from there, as you said. Like, I don't know yeah. you feel sorry for them. I don't know, but. I mean, I do. I do. Because I think that they have enough talent to get them over the line, mm. especially over a Dragons team. But they just can't ice a game, you know? And it's what we always talk about. They don't seem to have someone who knows what to do in the right situation. They know what to do when they need to score yeah. points, I suppose, but they don't know what to do when they have a lead. No, no, they don't. <laughs> no, and uh, they did. They did get what they got. Uh, Xavier Savage. I have no idea how this happened. Xavier Savage came on the field. What a name, by the way. Great name, but he wasn't eligible to come on. But somehow it was Ricky's fault. I, I could have sworn like that's a Solon's official's fault. But they might have lost the points anyway. If they won the game after how Savage like Savage going on, they might have lost the two points anyway. So. That's why Ricky said, fortunately, they didn't win, but mm. whatever. It's um for the Dragons, though, like Ben Hunt had an absolute cracker. Oh, crushed it. Crushed it. I mean, always happy to see Ben play well now, considering his reputation. And uh thought he was great. And I know people hate it, but like Jack DeBellin is good. He just is. Yeah. I mean, that was never, I don't think anyone it ever wasn't a thing. That. Like people getting blown up, blowing up when he gets wrapped for his footy. It's not going away, people. I'm sorry. Like. I don't want to wrap him either, but it's like, I'm just saying that because the commentators wrapped him and then people blowing up on Twitter and everything. It's like, mate. I mean. It, uh, it, fuck that guy. Sorry. No, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. No. I, I mean, fuck him, but not, what, are they, what are they supposed to do, yeah, mate? Well, I mean, they could, they, could rap, they could rap Paul Vaughan who actually threw the offload can as I, opposed I, to rapping, as opposed to rapping the guy who did nothing really. Can I, I, I can bring up, I can bring up an example that Mitch and I talked about this in the past regarding NFL players. And there's one example I want to talk about in particular, Tyreek Hill, right? Mm-hmm. So Tyreek Hill was, he got domestic abuse charges in, early on in his career. Really awful stuff. Got like, obviously managed to keep his career alive despite that and has gone on to become one of the best and, you know, most exciting players in the NFL. There's a difference between a commentator saying, oh, that was great from Tyreek Hill. And, or, which is the things that Mitch and I talk about having a problem with, or when we listen to NFL podcasts and the hosts are like, oh, my boy Tyreek Hill, how good was he here today? Yes. Like, those two yes. things are different. And as long as, I think, as long as the praise, in inverted commas, for Jack DeBellin stays in the former of those two categories, then we can't really do anything about it. I just think that they're really eager to pump his tires. That's, that's, that's probably true. I'd agree yeah. with that. So, so... I'm not denying that he doesn't play well, but I mean, I think they're really quick to point out, oh, you know, he, he hasn't lost anything. And it's like, well, you know what? He probably has because it's been four years since yeah, he played. Like, that's okay. You don't have to, every time he touches the ball, you don't have to say something about him, you know? Yeah. At least we haven't yeah. got to them talking about his hardships yet. That's it. And the only oh. reason I brought it up saying he played well is because I was going to make the point Bunga made. Is it like, mm. he is still a fucking despicable human. You can mm. still believe those things. They're going to say good things about his football. And you're going to have to deal with that, okay? And the way to deal with that is not getting filthy at the commentators when yeah. the game. And this goes. happens every year. We had Anthony Seabold saying Matt Lodge was a future Broncos captain, like last year. So, yeah, and then know. he trod on someone's head. So you know, it didn't even get, didn't even get. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but yeah, didn't how did we not get, talk about that? I'm fine. I don't. Know. That was 100 on purpose, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he like went looking for his head yeah. and then yeah. stepped on it. 
Hangai coming after my boy Cameron Murray like that. Terrible. Disgusting. That's cool. Um all right, Sprouster, Melbourne Storm 66. Yes, let's go. Uh, the team of the podcast. 16. The former team of the podcast, RIP. RIP. Can I just, before we get into the segment, I want to commiserate an, an unnamed friend of mine who had a $5 multi paying $3,000 in this game. Same game multi. The leg that cost him three grand was Josh Adokar. Yeah. Which would have been like a dollar twenty. Oh jeez! Yeah, I also saw someone miss out on what was it? They the line of fifty-one or something. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, I saw someone lose a eleven-leg multi, and the and the leg that lost was Justin Olam anytime. Yep. Who and then another one I saw miss a nine-leg multi, and the leg that lost was the Storm minus fifty-one. What were the other oh eight legs God. in that insane multi? I need to know. It's okay. We got Luke Gardner anytime already okay. crazy. Uh, Harry Grant. Anytime, Brandon Smith. Anytime, oh, Melbourne Storm man. thirteen plus. Mm. Storm head to head, and then Storm like race to ten points, race what to twenty points, paying? race to thirty points, race to forty points. What are the odds on this? Uh, Eight hundred fifty to one. And he put how many dollars? Five dollars on it. Oh no! Yeah. Should put more. That's but yeah, forty-seven. Because I, I tweeted that a car would have ruined a lot of multis, but I know I got people just flooded my dance with them after that. But that yeah. one, I was like, you lost. On negative 51. Not on any of the other ones. Yeah. That was, that's the worst of them all, I think. Auto car's bad, but yeah. Negative 51. Um, yeah, it's because they this... let Noffa run in at the death, right? <laughs> yes. The first, <laughs> yes. the first 20 minutes of this game, I legit thought 80. I thought they're going to beat the clock. We're going to finally see it happen. We were in front. I was, okay, so I was out um, at a girlfriend's birthday party and I didn't watch the game live, but I was checking the score anti-socially in the corner. That's fine. And um, yeah, I, uh, I was just watching the clock and the storm and that was it. And I was playing a little game of clock versus storm. And we were in front. We had it until uh, Nelson Sinden, I think, is where, where the clock finally got back in front. Yeah, it's... Um... Most of the times that happens, right? It's not the first time teams have gone up, you know, above above the clock. There's like the Broncos had the Eels like forty two nil in two thousand and five. There's a few others like a forty eight nil at halftime as well. But you guys came out the start of the second half, and it was like, oh, they they're not stopping. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, they decided to keep doing this to this poor team. And uh, as you said, Nelson's kind of changed it. But for a long time, they looked like you were going to win by eighty. But that first twenty minutes of that game. Yeah, uh, this like often this year we've, we've made the things about the rules. Mm. No matter the rule set, no matter the time in rugby league, no matter the time in history, the Storm were going to be up like twenty or thirty points that 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 quickly and how well they played that first twenty minutes. The, the like, only way they wouldn't have been is if you were playing Super League ninety seven rules with the winners kicking off. Yeah, that'd <laughs> have been it. But like that first set when they're like going down the block, short side and offloading, I'm like oh my and god, make, and make ninety meters. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that, was, uh, that Lucha's defense on that first try was diabolical. But where was Moses Embai? He wasn't even in the picture. Well, you, you see, you start there, and then it's probably not even near close to the worst defense of the night. No, it's <laughs> no, not. not just, but it really did set the tone for just an absolute uh, disaster class. You know, they you know like, when the, the short like, highlights have yeah. the first set, the whole first set in their entirety. You know, you know what you're getting yourself yeah. in for. How many either dummy half scoots or like one out plays did they just score tries off? Like five. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, Jerome Hughes 
shook five guys off him. Oh, he's that was a, real bad. Yeah, he's that not was a big bad. guy, and he and he tap. He took the quick tap while they were arguing was, with them because with they were just so soft the, the middle. Like yeah. mm, West didn't need Josh Adokar because they didn't need to swing it out wide very much at all because they just I took mean, the pierce every time they wanted to score. They scored. Yeah, Brandon Brandon's scored through the middle. Munster scored through the middle. Fanukin scored through the middle. Fuck it. Nelson scored from dummy half. He did. Like, that, that was is... probably. Oh. Look, we've just caught. We've just caught like three different tries. The worst of the lot. But ne- neither winger that... scored in sixty-six points across. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Like yeah. If, yeah, if if you you look at the, the other good teams, right? Like if, if Penrith or South scored sixty-six, you imagine Charlie Staines or Alex Johnson is getting like five tries. Five. Mm. But here, no. Well, I mean, okay. So not to rub salt in the wound, Bunga, but when we crushed you guys the other day. Oh, that's um, fine. But Adokar scored all of them, right? And it was he because sure did. it was because we had to send it that wide to get around you. We had to squeeze you in and then run around the outside of you. I mean, this we just ran out the middle. Yeah, it was real bad. Yeah, that it was and yeah, legit and this, one of the worst offensive performances I think I've ever seen. And I know, like a lot of the NRL, like a lot of coaching's average, whatever. Like, a lot of coaches just can't seem to get the simplicity right of the game. And Bellamy's always been able to do that. And you could see from kickoff that you guys knew the game plan was to attack Moses Mbai. <laughs> like, and it went, it went away from that after that. But even on the second try you scored, they went back on tackle five. They ran down the short side right at Moses Mbai. They caught him like he's at marker. So I forget who puts pressure on the kicker, but Moses Mbai to stand still. So they just run behind him. It's like, oh, thank you, sir. You didn't do your job. We'll take that space. So they ripped him apart early. And then from then they just went up the guts. Tigers were dead and they didn't even like get off the line. They had no line speed, didn't get off the line and quit. They quit so early. I think that's the worst thing about it is like, oh, and the technique as well. Like they, they were just putting arms out. Like they weren't committing, you know, like I think that was probably if I, if I was a West Tigers fan, the most disappointing thing would have been like the lack of effort, you know, half of, half of those tackles, you don't fall off if you actually put your whole body into it. But it was like, they went up there and they knew they were going to get pumped and they had the attitude of, yeah, we're going to get pumped. And they looked fresh when they got the ball. That pissed me off too. Oh yeah. They scored points. They looked like they they could they their attack looked okay. Then it's like you guys have saved energy, you pack of fuckwits. <laughs> when they had the extra number, they yeah. looked dangerous. They did. And I couldn't and I couldn't understand because they conceded fifty points at that point. Yeah, they did. So um, you ready to eat your Brandon Smith humble pie? Oh, okay. <laughs> this must be really hard for you. you came prepared. I came prepared. She's written a note. Written apology. Written apology to the, written to the Brandon note. Smith fan club. No. This is a written apology to Brandon Smith. Okay. I am a Sprouster. No. Okay. So um, I tweeted during the game or maybe just after the game that I stood by what I said. And I do stand by what I said. Um, so I tweeted during the Eels game in round two where we got beat in the rain. I tweeted that Brandon Smith had had the worst performance in a number nine jersey from the Melbourne Storm in 20 years. And I was right. He really did. I went back and watched it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, He was gassed. Okay. At the end of the first half, he was gassed, right? Or Mm. not even at the whole half. It was maybe like the 35-minute mark. He passes it. At one point, he picks it up from dummy half. And Munster has to trap it with his boot before he picks it up, for God's sake. Like the passing just wasn't on point. That's the rest of it's every week for the rest of us. <laughs> but I mean, that game, we didn't lose that game because of him. And I think, you know, what gets contained in a tweet and what people like to throw back at you when you get recorded and whatnot um, are really bite sized little pieces. They don't take into account that there's so much more nuance to the game than that, right? So, like, we lost that game because Pappenhausen just wasn't gelling with 
you know, Munster very well and Jerome Hughes' kicks were kind of going dead and it was pissing with rain and we were making mistakes and there were a whole bunch of reasons why we lost that game that weren't Brandon Smith's fault. Um, and then I thought maybe it was because he played too many minutes, so I actually did some research on that as well. And it turns out that his rotation in that game was he played, he played the first 62 minutes, he had a 10-minute break, and then he came back on for the last eight minutes. Um, and Tyson Smoothie took his place at dummy half in the meantime, which is also not a great option. So at the moment, we're crushing it. It's because we're not putting Tyson Smoothie on, we're putting Harry Grant on, and he can fall back into sort of that lock position, you know. But I thought he'd actually, I thought he was playing less minutes now, but I went back and had a look at round nine and round 14, and he's playing the same amount of minutes. He's playing roughly between 60 and 70 minutes every game. So he's obviously just gotten more fit, which is exactly what should happen if you're a professional athlete playing the same game week in, week out. So credit where credit's due to him. He's worked on his game. He's obviously run some kilos off himself, right? And he's gotten better and he's not gassed now 35 minutes into a game, which is good when he's making 70 minute halves. So I was right then. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm always right, right now. Um, I'm glad he's playing for my team. I made a comment I think in passing at one point that I wouldn't have been devastated if we lost him now I would be really upset if we lost him yeah, and if uh, we and if we're losing for Nukin, then I we have to keep Brandon Smith geez. I think uh, yeah. yeah that's why like when I tweet about people being wrong about Brandon Smith I'm not tweeting about you <laughs> yeah people I know keep, but everyone likes to tag me yes everyone likes to tag you it's like no go yeah. back I was repeating to people last year that like you, there was all this talk for years about Brandon Smith being the heir apparent and I knew it was Harry Grant. And mm. then last year came around and all of a sudden the moment he said he wanted to leave and go play hooker elsewhere to a poppy syndrome kicks in. Everyone thinks he's shit all of a sudden. That's what I'm angry with. People think he's shit and thought his first two games this year were like permanent. Like exactly what you said then he was not ready to play hooker. He was out of shape. You may have, as you said, yeah. probably, probably you live in the moment a little. Sometimes he deserved the criticism on that game, but he has got into better shape found his niche in the role for the storm. He's even said himself, he didn't know how to adapt to like not using all his energy instantly. He was so used to coming off the bench and just be able to go crazy. Exactly. Exactly. He, he, he spent the better part of, part of a year or two as a bench middle rotation, you know, and occasionally, occasionally he would start mm. maybe at lock or maybe at prop if we were really short on players, you mm. know, but he was only ever playing what, maybe 40 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. And then all of a sudden he had to go to playing 60 minutes or 70 minutes and he had to play him in the middle as well. Yeah. And he had to play entirely differently. And, and oh. um, But credit to him, that rotation now, as you said, um, I don't, I think teams missed the window. Like he already saying, he already said he's staying next year. Yeah. If, well, if, if things stay as they are right now, there's like no chance someone gets him unless he goes to like Brisbane two with Cam Munster or something. And they want to go start their own thing up there. Like he's now getting a starting role and getting a significant role at the storm. That's what he wanted. He wanted. Well, that, that's all he said. His, his one precursor to leaving was I want to play in the number nine Jersey. It's his, yeah. you know, yeah. Harry plays in 14 now. Yeah. And he even said, if he had to play 13, he'd be happy. He just wants to start as well. Right. And he started every game this year for you guys. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, he got injured during this game this yeah. week and he's had a few weeks off here and there. And, um, you know, I think that's okay with the, you know, giving him a bit of a rest because he does come on with impact. Like, I, I do really like the rotation that we've got going on at the moment. Bellamy's obviously got it sorted to a T. If he's done it every week for 14 or 15 weeks now, then that's obviously what he wants to do. He wants him to come back on in the last 10 minutes and just go baller. 
Yeah, and with the fact like Harry Grant's having, I'm not going to call him a biscuit yet, but he's having injury problems as well, probably helps the club, you know, do their best to keep the cheese around as well. So I don't know oh, if our bad Brandon's injuries, I'm sure he's going to play the next game, but I'm also sure that in like three weeks, you might just start Nico Hines at Hooker and he'll be good there because that's just what you guys do. <laughs> I did listen to um, post-match like Storm internal video yeah. after the game and he said, oh, I got hooked because our rotation guy has money on any time try scorer for Harry Grant. So, I mean, he was, <laughs> he said he was totally fine. And I think that they were just being overly cautious. Cause I think with Harry's injury as well, we can't afford to be that shallow. Yeah. Mm. And as long as the rules stay as they are, like Brandon Smith is the king of the scab try. Oh, like, crashing over. <laughs> like Mitch rain is sitting at home crying, watching him score all these scab tries, but like, that small nugget, he will score, you know, every other week for the rest. If this is how the rules stay, he will or he will score these 10 tries a season for, for the end of time. If they right. he's, he's scored, he scored more tries in the first, uh, like, half of this season than he had in the last three seasons combined or something. There you go. We're not moving on yet, Bunga. What are you doing? How dare you? Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> this is Storm Gronking with M and Mitch. It is. <laughs> I wanted to. I did message M to joking. Do I do a greatest games episode on this game already? But I don't think anyone would listen. It's been me and her <laughs> talking shit. But, um, yeah, old man's for us to chime in though. Fantastic. Il thirty six. Oh, he's ten. He just did it. We are. It's mate. We cannot sit. We have got so much news to talk about. There are so many other things. We can't just sit here and talk about the storm for another twenty minutes. Can't we? We'll Everyone will back. stop. We'll People back. will stop listening. People hate the storm. Eels 36. People are Bulldogs stupid. 10. I don't hate the storm. People do. Uh, Eels 36, Bulldogs 10. Um, uh, I don't know. What do we say? <laughs> it feels like every week we say, what do we say about the Eels game we and say, we don't uh, talk about them? Yeah, great pause from Harry Grant. Played, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish they played more like Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. um, I do like young fellas scoring tries on debut. Sean Russell, like being in the crowd when Jacob Arthur scored was awesome. It was one of the fellas. And now Sean Russell got his own double in place of Fergo, which you probably think Fergo's career there's career there's done. But yeah, this is one of those things like the Bulldogs, they just like the other bad teams like the Tigers now and Brisbane, whatever. They just can't deal with adversity. They were in this game. Scores a level at halftime and, and one or two things go against them. And from that point, you just know that it's game over. And the Eels pissed it in for the whole second half. Yeah. I don't know much you can take it away from being the Bulldog as, as an Eels fan, but I mean, it's kind of telling that, like, I mean, and yeah, look, the call was questionable, but you know, they just fell in a heap after that penalty try. Yep. Mm. Yep. And they were uh, actually up at halftime, weren't they? Oh, yeah, it was, it was six four. Sorry, ten six at halftime. Yeah, I think that's they were up at halftime, and that, yeah, 10, that, six. that's what's so fucking disappointing is that they had it, they had it covered. Well, I mean if they just dug their heels in a little bit, but they just capitulated. Again, it's like the same thing, I suppose you could say about half the teams in the comp at the moment, right? Yeah, we just, everyone knew that was going to happen. And mm. just, yeah, and it did. <laughs> but there was no resilience from them in that second half. But I think there's some better signs for the Dogs fans. And as a, and as a Brisbane fan, I'm now starting to get a bit of a hot butt about the spoon being a potential thing again. Considering like, they've just looked a bit better with Marshall King and Avarillo and, and Wakeham as a combination. Like to just get on the front foot a bit more. Like, you know, Marshall King's a bit sharper around dummy half than what they've had in the last couple of the rest of the season with Seneca Toa. So, you know, they, they, they looked okay. And, you know, the other teams, if they play as well as they did in the first half, other teams have built more than the Eels do as well. So maybe there's some positives coming from the Bulldogs this year. But Eels, I, I think... I actually best... think Avarillo's playing pretty well at the moment. You know, for, for 
a team that's not doing a lot, he's scoring most of their points. Didn't he single-handedly score most of them the week before last? Yeah, he's been great. Like for a 20-year-old dude thrown into halfback in a bad team, it's a pretty hard job to, to do well. And he's done a pretty good job there. I, I, I thought Sorry, the penalty try was the right call, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just like, I think he's getting there first for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we did actually, I forgot to mention that. There's twice this weekend they got the professional foul wrong. That Dragons Raiders game, when Simonson took out Cody Ramsey. And they said there were Raiders players in the vicinity, and that's why it's not a send in. Yeah, it's like, no, no, that's yeah. the wrong rule, mate. That's, yeah. that, means it's, that means it's not <laughs> that, a penalty try. And it is a sin bin. bin. That's what it yeah. means. <laughs> that happened twice this weekend. Well, if, I don't know what's going on, but that happened twice. And yeah. then, yeah, then we got one of the penalty tries that should have been awarded in this game. It's not, they're not nice. We, I get it. They're not, but they, they are what they are. Yeah. Probably going to get there first. Uh, Isaiah Pabalee, though, could, like, I didn't know if he could keep, could keep it up, but that man is still like, Every time he runs a ball, he seems to break a tackle or two and carry some unfortunate small soul with him and take, you know, like 230 plus meters in this game again, played the full 80. He's real good. 100 meters post contact on, like, that's ridiculous. 100 meters post contact and nine tackle breaks. He's insane. Like, I mean, what a great get for them. And he's, and they've done a good job, to be fair, to like find a way to have him play 80, have Madison play, and also have Sean Lane play. Like they've done a good job in that regard, and also like I think I mentioned in the off season, I wrapped. I actually really liked the signings of Joey Lussick and Nathaniel Roach. Unfortunately for Roach, he got hurt again. But you've seen in these last couple of games where Lussick's like not bad. You know, he might be a first grade hooker, maybe, but you know, he's a pretty good feeling for Reed Marnie for a couple of games. Yep, um, the Titans did it again. They tightened it <laughs> up. Um, Manly became the first team to score fifty in one half in like. 18 or 19 years or something. Um, 2001, right? The I thought it was 2003. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. A we long time ago. We couldn't just have our weekend, could we? They had to come yeah. and steal our bitties right at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's nothing manly love more than making Storm fans sad. So, it's true. yeah. Titans are up 24 to 6 at halftime. Coltrane Cup leader Nick Campton was in shambles. But uh, no, it didn't matter. Um, and if Ruben Garrett could kick, they would have scored 70 or something. Like, it's... What the fu- the Titans are the most mentally fragile sports team in the world. I yeah, I'm, I feel like there was still again just like the Bulldogs losing to the Eels. I had zero doubt the Eels say it was going to win this game at halftime. Like no doubt, I was like, they're going to come back and beat this team. Like because the moment that something goes against the Titans, that's it. Oh yeah, I think, it- I think you've said it before, but they are the embodiment of the new rules, the new system, everything. Mm-hmm. They are the kings of. Bungard's favorite word, momentum. Like they they put points on in clumps. They lose points in clumps. Yeah. You know they they can't they can't do anything across eighty minutes. Everything's in like little small bursts. The games almost directly reflect possession. If that yeah. team has possession, they have more points. If the other team has possession, they have more points. Exactly. And there was like a, they didn't touch the ball for sixteen minutes in that second half. They made but, one error in the entire game. Yeah, and, and it was lost a, by seven hundred. It was their last set. They made the one mistake. Of the game. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? But How like, that it's almost, it's almost like completing a set isn't important if you're not yeah. actually going to put the ball down in the angle. <laughs> it's still bizarre though. Like it is. you would never but, like. I'm sure if but, Doyle was to find like every every game in history of a team having a 95 plus percentage completion rate, usually win. 
They probably no. win most yeah, of the time. Yeah, but go to last and year when they the Bulldogs... Lose, they don't lose by 32, whatever the fuck. Yeah, but go to last year when the Bulldogs had, like, the second highest completion rate in the game and came second yeah. last. There's high and there's 90, what, a perfect yeah. rate until the last set of well, the game. Well, it's Staggering. the second highest losing completion rate of all time. I've now forgotten yeah. the other one, but it's equal second. Is it second the Warriors? Was from... it the Warriors? Yeah. Is it the Warriors? Yeah, I think so. A little while ago, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, very high. But that second half, like, they're just cowards. They're mentally fragile. Yeah. And uh, you just see them and like, nobody says anything. And things are going to nobody in that team as a leader, not one of them. It's like different team, but similar problem that Brisbane had for the last few years is like when things go against them, the team just, just stands and looks at each other. The Titans just like all sit there like, I don't know. It's like someone has to stop this. It's not going to be me, but someone's going to stop this other team. Like uh, just awful. And like and they can go from a team to being up 24, 24-8 at half time. Having like Jaden Campbell having a cracker in the first half, having like finding way they're picking apart Manly's defense kind of, and they abuse them with the, on their kick defense. From that to what happened in the second half, they, I don't know how to explain that. Like sports psychology, anything. When he's watching sports, I don't understand a team like this. Halftime was literally sense. the worst thing to happen to them. Like mm, it was yeah. like an entirely different team ran out. Yep, hundred percent. And I don't know, and I don't know whether it's because they got cocky. They thought, "Oh, we're doing this," you know, we're crushing them, and then they just put it away in the second half because they thought they had enough points. Like, I don't know whether they were told to play more conservatively, but it was a capitulation. None of them do anything though, right? When they're losing, none of them. Like Jared Wallace gave away a really dumb penalty at one point, but it was like you know, when a team sometimes losing, someone will do something dumb, like they'll try to put a big shot on and they'll fuck it up. Whatever, but they don't do any of that. They just like sit there and watch the game pass them by. They're a bizarre football team, and like they don't try when they get possession. They don't try something different. They're the same boring shit. They're the same stuff. Oh, we'll just give it to a feeder after four tackles or whatever. Or Tyron Peach. They don't do anything. They don't try early kicks. They just do the same shit. And it's you watch that team, and it's like what, what the fuck is going? You're just accepting what's happening. They gave up nine tries in thirty-one minutes. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Like. The West Tigers tried harder than they did in the second half. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. But yeah, look, and the fucked up part is they might still make the finals because again, <laughs> cannot stress how shit everyone below six is. And I guess this, this is one of those games that Fafita got pressure after it, and it's always going to happen to them because it, they paid a back row one point two five million dollars, whatever. But yeah, they didn't pay one point two five million dollars to like swing these games back. Like he got criticized for running at small blokes. It's like no, no, Fafita should always run at the small blokes. Like he, he runs he's through. I know that's exactly what he's there for. You want the big guy running at the other team's small guy and ruining the other small guy's day. They didn't Absolutely. do it. Like, like, and I mean, they, and all Tommy Turbo did, by the way, was just find Preston Campbell's son. Who yes. we can't we can't call him Jaden. We have to no. call him Preston Campbell's son. Yes. All they did was go and find him in the line and just run over the top of him. They did yeah. to him like four times in a row. Yeah, and the manly just went down main straight that entire second half. Like we, what we've done to this sport, we've done. We've we've done ruined this sport so much that it's okay for Dylan Walker to be be a prop. He can play in the middle, and nobody can do anything about it. No one can like that's just it. The team's on top and they're rolling, and we're just like this is what it is now. I watched it, and this game was the first time I thought like fuck, you really could, you really could get away putting on an Oz tag player or a really good touch player in the last twenty minutes. If your team's on top, you could get away with it. I really like just someone through the middle. Dylan, Dylan Walker did that for the whole second half. Hey, get one of those. Get same. one of those rugby. Watch the Olympics. Whoever Australia's best rugby sevens player is, bring him in. Yeah, and I know Not everyone. Honestly. I know everyone's sitting around in a circle jerking about Tommy Turbo right now. That's the best form I've ever seen. It's like, 
these rules have been played like this for one year. Some of these games, what he does, isn't that amazing? I'm saying it. This game, I'm sorry. nothing. I didn't see anything amazing in this game. No, all he did was pick out the small fullback, you know, yeah. or, or pick out pick out the, the player out of position. Like, there are a million other players in the comp who can do that. Ben Barber lazy marker. scored a try from collecting a kick, running the wrong way across his own dead ball line and went the fucking field in 2012. That was cool. I remember that. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I'm not saying Tommy Turbo hasn't done sick things this year, but being the guy who like who, do, who throws the last pass when your team's killing it or he crashes over after three or four good hit-ups when he's giant, I'm not ready to call it the best form of all time, okay? I'm not. No, nor am I. He's, he's definitely the best form of any NRL player right now. But by, yeah, by some distance. Yeah, yes. but mm. no, no, no. Barber, Barber 2012, Hayden 09, different, different grades yeah. still. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and then obviously everything needs to be a bit more reviewed, but it might be, you know, Carney 2010 maybe even Hayne 14, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, he's not exactly doing it tough, Tommy, with how the game's currently played. You know, no, and I'm not saying no. the other guys did it amazingly tough, but like Ben Barber did things I'd never fucking seen in that season. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, I've seen forwards pass well on a two-on-one. Sorry, back fullbacks pass well on a two-on-one. And I've seen fullbacks crash over a tired defense. Yep. <sighs> all right, uh, moving on. Uh, so the Blues team, nothing really. I mean, we'll touch on this really quickly. Obviously, Crichton coming back in, Jake's boy injured, and Dale Finucane finally a, a long, a, a long overdue call up to the twenty man squad. Hopefully, he plays. <laughs> uh, long overdue call up to the twenty man squad, eh? <laughs> Watch him not play after all. He of probably this. won't play. Yeah, well, but, he got he got his game two games last year. You know, he's got four now. Two yeah. two years ever. He's got an uncanny ability uh, to straighten up a team that's going like a little bit too sideways, you know, like he's got, he does it for us sometimes as well. Like as fun as it is to watch us send it wide early, sometimes you do need to hit it up the middle first, you know, and he's got a really good ability to come on and just straighten the game. I think someone's going to give him a lot of money. However, I don't think the blues need that. No, (laughs) they don't really need that. They need, they need the backs to just have fun and chuck. I don't think it matters who they pick really. The core is there. The back line's there. I could play nine minutes at hookup. I honestly think like they could just <laughs> I pick, reckon like, I could, yeah. <laughs> they could just pick like the worst starting middle at each NRL team to fill out those last three or four spots and they'd probably be fine. Hmm. Yeah. Finucci, uh, Queensland though. Funny spot for his career that I want to mention. Like he has oh, yeah. gone to market, asked for more money, and he hasn't found it. It's weird. And- I think I thought like a dumb team would give him yeah. like eight hundred grand. Well, he's sitting in that weird spot because he's obviously had a few injuries. People are probably afraid of him crumbling. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, okay, he's either going to crumble or he's going to Luke Lewis it. And if I have to pick like two things out of those two things for Dalphinu, I'm picking the Luke Lewis option that he's going to actually have like four more really good years that no one expected. You Why know? have the Tigers not just given him like a million dollars yet? Well, it's one I mean- of those things. That's how you go in. No, that's all right. I was just going to say we, we made comments about how one team can't fix the culture of a club, right? But I think... Dale Finucane could be one player who could fix the culture of a club. The way that Craig Bellamy and coaches of the Blues over the years and whatnot have spoken about him, spoken about his attitude, spoken about his absolutely squeaky clean record on and off the field. You know, I think someone like West or the Dogs or Brisbane or anyone, you know, could really use someone like him to like bring a bit of that composure and that attitude to the game and to their team as well. Yeah. You know, I know I know that one player doesn't fix, you know, problems galore throughout a whole team, but it wouldn't be a bad start, really. Yeah, I um 
I don't watch the post game often, but I left my TV running post the Storm Tigers game, and it's the the focus at discussion that's come out. People are focused on Ennis saying Pangai's not the answer for the Tigers. The discussion wasn't about that, you know. It was like, it's true. Pangai's not going to change that. He's not going to change how they played in the weekend. Doesn't mean he's not a good signing, but the point they're not making. Cooper Cronk went to saying like so, like if you want to start changing your culture at the club, Adele Fanukin is the type of player you sign. Like having been there, he's like, yeah, he can't do everything. Pretty much what you just said, he can't do everything there, but he can be the star, and like he can be a good signing if he doesn't play. Is what Cooper's opinion is. Like that's how good he is around the club. So, well, I it was like, like it was like when the Roosters signed Cooper, right? They they signed yeah. him for twofold. One, they signed him because he's insanely good, yeah. but they also signed him because they needed that attitude and they needed that that drive and determination that he brought to the to the club. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, um, but let's jump ahead to Queensland. Obviously, a lot more to talk about here. Uh, Mitchell's choking on his own rage as we will start <laughs> at the back. And not not the kid, but a kid has been picked at fullback for game two. And people are going, oh, you know, if Queensland did this during the dynasty, they used to take punts on guys or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, at no point did Queensland pick a guy that had played like eight first grade games whose defensive deficiencies were on display for all to see. And nor did they pick him at arguably the most important position on the field. Like every time Queensland blooded one of these guys, it would be off the bench or like at center or something. Not, not like this. This is very, I think this is very new. It's, I think it's just a very desperate move by Paul Green. And I can't see a world and where it works out well for them. And I think that's what you've now Bungard. And I don't want to focus too much on Reese Walsh. No, it's not Reese Walsh for the record. This is a disgustingly selfish move by the Queensland selectors and Paul Green. And that's what it is because they have put the pressure on him. The pressure is been on Paul Green no matter what, but they put pressure on Reese Walsh to perform in this game as the second youngest player to play for Queensland and the least cap since Iken. And Iken only happened because of the Super League war. We're comparing him to Super League war. Like Inglis and Falau didn't debate debut this young. Falau had 12 tries in his first 11 games for the Storm. It was only the second year of the dynasty. So it wasn't a dynasty yet. And Queensland at that time still chose old as dirt, Steve Bell over Falau, not to throw Falau to the Wolves in a much better Queensland team. In a team that probably could have protected him. Yeah, Correct. And, and they've gone and put in a guy who's not going to be 19 yet, who's only started five NRL games, who started the year in Queensland Cup, who probably isn't starting if he's in like 13 of the teams in the NRL. Because he's only at- starting at the Warriors because Roger's leaving. Yeah. Otherwise, yes. he wouldn't be starting there. He wouldn't be starting there if Roger wasn't leaving. And that's what's happened. And they put him in the Queensland team. And it's fucking selfish that they expect, like they put that on him. If he runs out there on Sunday night, I'm hoping they change it by then because there's still time to change it. But that's a desperate move for a man under pressure and it's, it's still under pressure. And they put that pressure on an 18 year old with no need to, for, to be there. And they've, they've, they've asked him to be the big, a big enough man to handle it. They might say he is, and he might be confident enough to handle the pressure, but people talk about the things that happened to Jared Mullen and how that ruined Jared Mullen's career. This is not comparable, comparable to Jared Mullen. He played 31 first grade games and three is a first grade before he played origin. And people still said he wasn't ready. Hmm. Reese Walsh is still raw as fuck. Every game you watch him, the potential is all there, but he's out of position in defense all the time. He can't really, like in this game, he was with, against the, the or Knights. He was with the trainer four or five times throughout the game. The physicality had him on the wing a bit and the back of fullback. 
You're talking about that player and you think he's going to go into the Origin Arena against this Blues team. And he's going to perform. And maybe he does perform. It doesn't change that it's a terrible thing to do to him. And with with little to no reason, considering the other fullback who play game on is fucking fit. Yeah. And even you... All right. So and the that, most direct... Oh, so you go, you go. And the other part is they copped out from picking other young guys for being inexperienced. They spoke about Hamaso Tabuai Fidel being an origin player eventually, who has this year and last year in first grade. The Hammer kept Reese Walsh out of every rep team his whole fucking life. Like the Hammer played fullback when Reese Walsh was on the bench for the Queensland 18s and 20s. Kept him out because he didn't experience in the front line. But you can throw Reese Walsh to the Wolves on his own at fullback. He'll be facing the aerial barrage if it comes, or be defending in open play on guys like Tommy Turbo and the trail if it comes. They'll do that. But oh no, we can't put the hammer in the back line. Oh, it's too much. Oh, he can't handle it. Like, fuck me. Yeah. And I, I would say the most recent comparison you can make is Kalen Ponga. And that's a guy who didn't get picked for Queensland until the third year of his first grade career and didn't get picked until uh, until I think it was the second or third game of the series and came off the bench. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they game handled two. that a lot better than the current regime are handling this Reese Walsh situation and maybe he'll play well. I hope he does. I wish I have nothing against Reese Walsh. I wish him all the best. He's an exciting player and you're right. This isn't on him. This is just on. Yeah. They just, it just smacks of desperation in a series that, that they probably going to lose. And I look, people, people, people had a go at Brett Finch today for saying, what have they got to lose? But I kind of get what he's saying in the sense that like, they are going to lose. They're going to lose this game. The mm-hmm. team is absolute garbage. Like Andrew McCulloch's back. Jai Arrow and Dane Gagai might play, which would be Arrow's on the edge. <laughs> even worse. Yeah, but he might not even play because he's him and Gagai both 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 in doubt, apparently. Like they're gonna get pumped. They are. Yeah. So if you know that, but if you know that, there's no Reese Walsh is 18. There is no yeah. need to rush him I, in like this. So He'll Queensland have nothing to lose, right? That's what yes. Finchie was saying. But yes. yeah. Reese Walsh has everything to lose. Yes. It is like the word desperate doesn't even begin to cover it. Like it is so incredibly offensive to me that you would, that you would feed a child to the yeah. wolves. Like I don't want to call him the kid because everyone's going to make jokes, but the child. You, yeah, you're gonna feed, <laughs> Poor son of a bitch. Like poor, poor, poor him. Cause he's going to get absolutely fed. Right. By the string of fullbacks who are playing for <laughs> New South Wales who are better fullbacks than he is, and he's going to play fullback for the other team. He's going to play with players he's never played before. He's going to play in the sp- intensity of a game that he's never played before. You know, he's going to get absolutely crushed, and then and then Queensland are going to go, oh well, that didn't work, and and he's going to get like a red felt tip pen put through his name. Yeah. When if they waited two years, three two years, years <laughs> let him hone his craft, and then brought him in exactly the same way that they drip fed Kalen Bonger into Origin, you'd probably be looking at someone who would have a hand on that spot for the rest of his career. If it was, if it was game three of a series where it was one all and they needed a winger or like a 14 to come on and be a spark. Maybe, maybe, maybe. but not like this, but and not in this spot. And the other thing that, what is the upside as again, because Callum Ponga is, if you shoot for game three, they're going to pick Callum Ponga. So it's just like this kid has to win it or die. Yeah, so, he know, he, I don't know. Yeah, so he's a gap filler, right? And he knows it. And there's been plenty of great players through our lifetime who have had their careers ruined by this kind of thing on this stage because, like, Justin Hodges, right, he bounced back, but his career for, like, five years is about his origin debut, you know? Nathan Merritt was never the same. 
Um, Jared I mean, Mullins, we want to talk about what they did to Cody Walker in, in game yeah, one last year like, as well. Jared Mullins' entire career was defined pretty much by that origin game, not being good enough. And like, there's a world here that, and I hope you can handle it, but there's a world here that Queensland lose by 40 or 50. There's a couple of times he gets thrown off by Latrell or Tommy Turbo being the size he is. And then that's it. That's who Reese Walsh is. And, people, and he goes from people not really knowing who he was, who he was 10 weeks ago to being the hottest thing in rugby league for five or six weeks to being a joke. Yeah. To being a meme the day after. So I'm hoping that uh, that Cooler has prevailed and they run the team out with Holmes at fullback and, and Ronaldo Militalo on the wing. But I don't think it's going to happen. No. I will say, I, I know I said Queensland are going to lose. Forward pack does look, if if everyone plays, forward pack doesn't look that bad, but there's really nothing really else to get excited about. No. Now we saw I in mean- game one, the Blues are playing smarter. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do our origin preview next week. I've uh, got a few other things to talk about namely the brisbane broncos oh, did you have one more thing before we moved on him? i did want to say one more thing which was that um i heard both cooper cronk and cameron smith come out like on fox and also on um smith's new radio show with bossy and they were talking about how you can't hold a player of potential back and they were obviously talking about reese walsh and um they said something along the lines of, uh, you know, at the Melbourne Storm, you were pushed to take that next step. You were encouraged to, if you were good enough, we were going to put you in kind of thing. But I don't think that they're taking into account the amount of padding they had around them mm. to help them do that. You know, mm-hmm. like I know Cameron yes. Smith yeah. made his debut very young as well, but he got dropped into a side that had Darren Lockyer. I mean, yeah. You know, like he had, there was so much padding around. To and even then him, he was at know? least still, he had, like he had first grade, a much, much more first grade experience under his belt. Exactly. I mean, and and he was brought into a team that was already doing a lot of other things, right? He wasn't brought in to be the band-aid on the team, Yeah. you know, and neither was Cooper. You know, Cooper had to wait until Darren Lockyer was finished with his origin run before he was even allowed in, you know? Yeah. I mean, Ken Smith played game three. It's different. He played game three. There was no other... We played Michael Crocker at hooker, who isn't a hooker, in game one and two. That's how patient they were with Cam. And they did it, whatever. Series is over, they played Cam. It's not the same. And again, Cam had played first grade the year before. It's not the same. Like, Reese Walsh has had one first grade preseason for Christ's sake. And same with the Payne Haas one. Like, Payne Haas only paid 10 first grade games, right? But he debuted midway through the year before got injured and then also got suspended the start of the season after he probably would have had about 20 games around origin time and people wouldn't have batted an eyelid at that point. The reason why I bring this up is because I think I, a lot of people, you know, even if you don't really like the storm, really respect what people like Cooper Cronk and Cameron Smith have to say about the game. And I think it's really important that when they're making commentary on the game, that they're making it with their own, kind of narrative excluded, you know, because they were such outliers and they were such Mm. talent that they can't expect that what they achieved to be easily replicated. They have to realise how amazing they were and they need to talk about other players, like, without that. Um, I just, I saw it and I just thought it was quite dangerous, you know, like, but obviously we're all on the same page in that regard. Um, You know, I really, I really hope he plays well. I really, really do. But I just, I can see him being fed to the absolute wolves if yep. it doesn't. I don't think it's as simple as if you're old enough, you're good enough in this case, but oh well. Absolutely not. Uh, there's a lot going on at the Broncos, Mitchell. The Kevolution is in tatters. Ben Eichen has joined the club as the director of football operations or some other fancy schmancy title. Um, what, what's uh, what's going on? Pangai's been told he can leave. Yeah, The players are revolting. 
So I did um I did a solo I was Broncos their weekly. Performance. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that's very rude. Got him. Yeah, I did a solo Broncos weekly on Friday, and obviously that's already aged with. with I downloaded and, it, but I didn't listen. But the same people want to listen to that about half an hour. My thoughts on it, but I'm actually kind of okay with the Pangai stuff. Like, it's been obvious since the incidents last year. He's been trying to find a way out of the club, and I'm really happy he stayed, and we got some good gains out of him, and I'll and he'll leave now, whatever. I'm happy I got to see him play well again and bounce back because he had a really selfish year for the club last year, but he has no right to ask the Broncos for an extension. Like the whole thing probably came about because he wanted to know about his future and he's signed to the end of next year. You can't have like five good games again and then want an extension. So if they can get off his contract, I understand it. You know, I love paying guy. Hope he does well elsewhere. That's all right. Fair enough. Peter Nolan getting sacked is fantastic. Yeah. It was taking forever. And it's like, you were a big part of that problem. He had to go. I mean, you look at the origin team that we talked about. There's zero. First time there's been no Broncos in it. Even in 1995, when the Broncos were expelled for the Super League war, there was still one Bronco on the side, Gavin Allen, because he hadn't been signed for the Super League. So he still played. Um, there's nine Queens Broncos juniors in that Queensland team. And there was eight in the under-18s team four years ago they've already lost four of those eight and they have none of the nine that play in this game obviously like that Nolan had to go but the things I find kind of weird is the internal changes they're making with like they, they fired the head of performance like Andrew Kroll who only got promoted to that job at the start of the season and it's like you're giving Kevy a mulligan on what he's done after like 15 weeks and it's just the same thing how they like shuffled all the on-field deck chairs keep shuffling the halves and stuff until you think you hit the magic combination for one week. It's like, you got to think a little bit more, mate, than, than what you're thinking. It, you know, can't the answer can't just be keep changing things. It can't be. It just doesn't work like that. Like, you can't think Andrew Kroll was a guy 15 weeks ago in my head and then just get changed that again and across multiple departments. It doesn't work like that. So that's worrying. But I guess we all didn't, we all knew Kevy wasn't the dude. The main worrying thing of those leaks is that the one thing people thought he would be is like, bring vibes and be a man manager. And apparently you can't even do that. So that's great. I don't know if you guys read any of that stuff that came out, which obviously like, like Corey Oates didn't put his name to it. Obviously it was Oates. Yep. Lodge put his name <laughs> to it, which is again, at least Lodge has the balls, put his name to the thing he says, by the way. And then I think the other one might've been paying guy on those leaks, but there was a couple of stories in there that like one of the stories was that Albert Kelly found out that he was in the team by when the team when the team list got read like most times a player gets told he's debuting for a club you know you've seen the videos on social yeah, media yeah 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 they, they make a huge a, song and dance of it or you know they get all the players around and they make a speech and yeah, they get their family there you know and then two so the two players that found out they were debuting by via the team sheet were albert kelly and tc rabati which is whatever that's what that's what the story says and then the next day on the radio kevin goes on the radio and says I don't know what those reports are saying, mate. You know, Albert Kelly's wife was there at the game and presented him with his Broncos jersey. And then, you know, and TC Rabati's, you know, family, whatever. Uh, sorry, someone looked after TC when he moved to Australia, was at the game and presented him with his Broncos jersey. So I don't know what those reports are about. It's like, Kevin, mate, those are two different things. It's, it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so essentially, yes, what you're saying, it did happen, yeah, but you did this. The team list came out Tuesday, the week before the game. Yeah. So yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's like, what do you want about? But yeah, I mean, that's not great that, um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. I've got a bit of a cold. You couldn't tell, but yeah, not even a great vibes guy, but he always felt like the four guy that was coming. 
But I guess the other big news again is like Ben Hyken is now the head of football, director of football or whatever, taking Peter Nolan's gig. And he's gone from trying to be the CEO last year to being the head of football now. Uh, I I see a lot of media guys praising it because they, they always will. Well, because he's one of them, right? Because yeah. he's on, yeah. And he's kind of Gus Gould on his way into the job because he spent the last like two years criticizing what the club's done, you know, and then I'll fix it. But at least he had the balls to step in and actually say he's going to go fix it. And yes. so we'll see. I'm interested. Like, I don't know it'd be good or bad. It probably can't be worse than what Nolan was. He always was. seems like a pretty smart guy when he talks about footy. So, yeah. And he's had a lot of like, he's had a lot of shots at the club over the last two, three years in, in, in print and on the show. And like last year, he wrote an article about all the recruitment fuck ups. And he wrote like saying, like, you know, Alex Glenn, great bloke, shouldn't be the fucking captain. Like, yep. Agree with that. You know, shouldn't be Lodge, said all that stuff, you know. This year, criticized Kevy for the shuffle. A lot, he said a lot of things that I agree with, but he hasn't offered many solutions, if you get me. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what his solutions are. And I'm hoping it's a massive change of direction from what we've been the last few months or the last few years. And I hope at least, like, I have faith that Ben Eichen at least knows what a good current football looks like. Like, you know, like, we, we haven't got, like, we keep getting linked to these guys that, you know, at players for certain agents that I'm no, I have no interest in as a fan, but like Jaden Sewell coming back, what's the point? Like when we signed Ben Teo, I can say, what's the point? We have enough back rowers. Hoping he's the same thing about Jaden Sewell. I have no idea how to make, what to make of the signing. I'm not going to celebrate it yet, but I think, I think it's a better move than what we had. That's at least all it is. I've, and, and it sounds like he's not the biggest Kevy fan either. So I think everyone knows his car was marked next year. But yeah, it feels like that might be maybe even this offseason for old Kevy. So who comes in for Kevy then? I don't know, but it's not going to be Wayne because uh, <laughs> yeah, there's always chat. Maybe Wayne will come back and he'll probably end up the second Brisbane franchise. But him and Ben, not a good relationship. So and even Ben Eichen, when he got asked last year about being CEO, he said his answer wasn't bringing Wayne back. So that ain't happening. I don't know who the next head coach will be, but they still have like a lot of it in football. And I said this on the Solo Broncos Weekly podcast, like, football clubs are like any workplace, right? We, and we can all, people won't admit it all the time, but you can look around any workplace you work in or you've worked at and you'll see like three staff members you rate. You're like those two or three are good at their jobs or, I'm, or whatever. Football clubs are the same. Like there's like two good coaches at a really great club, you know? The main problem with football with the Brisbane team is the fucking roster and it doesn't matter what else they do. It doesn't matter who's head of performance, who's the assistant coaches, and maybe that head coach make a bit of a difference, but it doesn't really matter how they shuffle all that shit or they shuffle the team every week. It's not going to change until they're better footballers. It's pretty fucking simple. And a better mix of players. And it's also not going to change by, like they brought in Alex Corbo as well. And Kevy keeps saying like, this isn't the Broncos. It's like, no, this is the Broncos. But he keeps like going about not tough enough. It's like, mate, that's also not going to change it. You can yell at, you know, Albert Kelly all you want about not being tough enough. Mm. He's still a 30-year-old who's been playing for 12 you know, so years. You can't change your Carmichael honeys. You can't change who these guys are. That's that's the, the cards you be dealt, mate. You know, <laughs> like and unfortunately a lot of it's not gonna change until they fix up the roster mess. So yeah. there you go, Ben Iken. There's some free advice for you. Get better oh, no. players. Get better players. I mean, be, give that one for free. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Put the rest of it behind the Patreon and make him yep. subscribe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh and to Ben Eichen and anyone else, just go check out Broncos Weekly in wherever you get your podcast if you want to listen to the rest of that rant. Um, we we uh, didn't 
we neglected to talk about this last week, but we do a bit probably for the best because we've got a bit more clarity on the situation now. But the NRLW is expanding to six teams, but there's a lot of controversy about the player allocation process for the two new teams. Uh, a lot of the players are being moved against their will, some to different cities or states even. And the whole thing just seems like a bit of a mess, Mitch. Yes, you don't know what they're doing. Everyone knows by now the NRLW is expanding. They've removed one team and they've added they removed the Warriors and added the Knights, Titans, and Parramatta. And if you guys didn't know, in prior years there's like a there's a cap. There was a cap of like points allocation based on if you played rep football, or whatever you're worth, XYZ, blah, blah, blah. This year they brought in a system that there's 24 centrally contracted players have offered them. And 24 players, they want to split them four. Four of them go to each of the six clubs, and they've and they what they've done. They've got these twenty four. I think are the best, and they've given them their suggested clubs. And we don't know this list, but they went and offered it to, to certain the, all the girls there. And you know, if you say yes, you get your marquee allowance, whatever that is. And if you say no, you can't make as much money, and you can say your current team. And uh, true shock, a lot of them are saying no. And uh, the Brisbane Broncos team. So there's some good quotes. Millie Boyle ripped into it today. He's pretty much saying that like, if they brought a new team in the comp, you're just going to break the storm up. If there was a new team in a year time. No, you're not. You're not going to get any. She even said, you're not going to give all the storm players to the Tigers, are you? But yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous that like, and you know, again, those girls have been like, they they feel like they, they belong to that team, for example, in Brisbane. They're building something there. They've won every year. They want to keep winning. And they get asked to like move interstate for like eight weeks. It's not a full-time gig. If it was full-time NRL, yeah, I could understand going, hey, look, we want to spread the talent and you guys, you want, you know, move down to Sydney or whatever. If it's a livable wage, okay, fair enough. But like, they're not getting paid enough money to be moved around the fucking country. They're not. So I don't know. And I understand knocking it back too. I'd hate to have that shit. Like what? If I was the 25th best player, I can play where the fuck I want, but I'm the 24th best and I've got to go play for... She didn't want to. She didn't want to go to Titans. Sorry, she knocked the Titans back down the road. That far away, it's not. But like that's it. They have a tight group. I think it's dumb. Like, yeah, it's. And here's the thing, right? It's like if you want the product to grow, and you want the competition to be taken seriously, the cornerstone of any fan base building a relationship with a club, or the cornerstone of any sport being taken seriously, is is. Players staying in the same place, building relationships, becoming mm-hmm. legends at clubs. It get, that's why I think the Big Bash is a joke because every year guys lob up on different teams. And I'm like, well, what's the point of getting attached to like, I don't know, uh, Moses and Reeks if he's on a different team? That's a terrible example. He's been on the Sixers his whole life. But you know what I mean? Like there's guys who've played four, five, six different Big Bash teams. And it's like, it's the same with the WNRL. Like there are people that have been with these clubs since day one. Like Ali Brigginshaw is a Broncos legend. What if they mm-hmm. just forced her to go and play for Parramatta this year? Why? Yeah. Where does that help? Thing, right? Obviously, it helps Parramatta, but yeah. there's no, it makes the competition look amateurish. It makes it less bona fide, in my opinion. Of course it does. And then you want to have, you want to have the clubs have the same kind of prestige that the men's clubs have, right? So you want mm-hmm. to have a change room for the women at Suncorp. You want to put Ali Brigginshaw's face up on the wall, but then you also want to move it down the road. Like, I don't understand. You, you're not going to yeah. sell any jerseys with her name on the back of them. You're not. You're not going to get kids who who go. I want to play rugby league because I want to be like Ali Brigginshaw, and I want my mum to take me to you know the equivalent of Peter Wynn and and deck myself out in head to toe Broncos gear. You know, like that. 
you don't build anything if you just pick these players up and move them around every 12 no. months. 100%. And like the, they didn't find out as, as it has been the last year or two. They found out like after the comp changes got announced. They found out like the same time the public did. And like guys like, you know, Ali Brigginshaw has played every game for Brisbane. There's, there's, she played only 12 games. She played all four every year. The, the three the three regular games and the finals. There's some other girls like Millie Boyle's been at Bronco since debut. Uh, Chelsea Leonard Doozy has been there since the first season as well. Like yeah, Tamika Upton's yeah. been there the whole yeah. time. And we, as well. yeah, like they, they think that like they feel like they're building something and yeah. they get told, no, nah, you've got to go. It's like, well, I'll just play for no money and yeah. play here. And there's like, look, there's we, there's names we can't mention, but there's there's girls at other clubs as well that have basically been with those clubs since the start who are being told they have to go somewhere else as well. And it's just the whole situation to me is ridiculous. There's no, and look, and we know this politically, there are girls who are not getting a shot in the WNRL who are better than some of the players that are in the WNRL. There are players out there playing in Harvey Norman or playing in Queensland who are good enough to play in the top grade. And there's new clubs should be an opportunity for them to go and get a chance, not to just take the good players from the existing teams and just make the competition look more amateurish as a result. I think they're so desperate to try and make someone else other than Brisbane win it that this is their way around it because they think that <laughs> by letting another team yeah. win it that the comp will look more legitimate. And I disagree with that in its entirety because Brisbane continuously rocking up year after year, playing a consistent style of football, having their set plays, having players who play Queensland Cup together for the rest of the year and not just this fucking eight-week competition, yeah. right, who actually have some semblance of a team about them in the way that they play, in the way that they train, you know, in the way that they perform on game day. That's what makes the competition legitimate. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know there. Picking up and moving players, right, for, an, for like I said, for an eight-week competition to, to cities they've never lived to, to with, against, you know, or with other players that they've never played with and against other players that they used to play against, I don't think actually produces the best quality product. Yeah, 100%. I, think, um, I think one of the ones that came out via AAP, one of the players, I just want to see here again if I can find it. But, like, essentially, like, yeah, here we go. So that... Um, he said they wrote in the article that Dragon set appear appear to set to, sorry to keep Kezi Atts but lose Jess Sergis. Oh, good. We can't talk about this then. And right. it's like, again, as you just guys mentioned, Jess Sergis has been like poster girl for the Dragons. Yeah, 100%. And her it, boyfriend Zach Lomax. The pair of them together represent like a future for the Dragons. You know, young kids want to be them. You know, kids want to go watch them play. You know, they, they're, they're everything that you could hope. They're like a, an NRL glamour couple. And like from a marketing point of view, that is incredibly rich story to tell. But also she's a baller. She plays so, so well. You know, mm -hmm. she's a Jillaroo. She's a New South Wales blue, which means something, you know, for the women as opposed to the men. Yeah. And she's been there every single year. And I can't even believe she was suggested the move clubs. That's what pisses me off as well. Like yeah. she was on this list and they, they put it on a movement. Like they thought about, oh, this would be great for us to have this player at that club rather than thought about, you know, isn't it great? Jess Surges is like the Dragons girl. Like her and Kezi are like the two ones, right? So, yeah. yeah. And taking one of them is fucked. And I mean, Millie Boyle is one of the big names at Brisbane too. So I know they had to move big names, but. It's like yeah. you can have a marquee list of players that you don't move. Yes. You know, as opposed to a marquee list of players that you do move. It's like, okay, so these players have already started well, to personify what the club is all that's about. That's how it works in other sports. That's how it should work. They have expansion drafts. It's the exact opposite of this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Teams nominate the players. They will not leave. They will keep at any cost. And then from there, and look, that's still not, I don't think that's a perfect system, but it's better than this shit. 100%. You can still poach others, but yeah, not nominate that. And then now they're struggling. And it, the way this has worked again is 
So the Knights are struggling to get players. So yeah, maybe you should have figured that out. It's a bit first. weird that, Before you by the way, because the, the Knights have always had a pretty good presence in the Harvey Norman Premiership, and I know that mm. a lot of the girls that play for the Roosters and stuff are like would come down from Newcastle or Gosford for training. So it's a bit weird that they are struggling to get players completely. Yeah, but oh well. I mean, I'm excited for the competition span. Yeah, I'm, span. And new teams is good. Next year too, Obviously, like, just pissed off at South Sun in it, but and but M nailed it though. I like watching the Broncos women's team. Obviously, I'm a Brisbane fan, but also because you said that we've played an attacking style year on year. I identify with that team, and it should break up by its own fucking accord, not by some dumb rule. That <laughs> exactly. If you ask, if you ask any supporter of a NRL M team why they support the team that they support beyond I was born into it or whatever. There's got to be something, whether it's a player or a style of football that they play or something like that, there's got to be something that like ties you to that that club and to that team, right? So why can't that be the same for NRLW, you know? And if you want it to be more successful than the expansion of the AFLW, then you've got to do something differently to what they're doing, you know? And I like that they're sort of, you know, slowly trying to build a competition rather than throwing fucking cricket players in there and God knows what else mm. to try and make 280 players, you know? I like that they're doing that, but I think that this is just such a ill-thought-out way of doing it, you know? And it, and it doesn't give respect to the players either, really, and it doesn't give respect to anything that they've built so far. Yeah. All right. We've got some suspension news before we get out of here. Um, to be a Pango, we said three, three much banned for Kasha Tackle on... Cameron Murray, uh, two match ban for Nelson Asafa Solomon. I don't know how the Storm will survive two weeks without <laughs> him. Um, Michaeli Ravarro and Cio Cio Tokia will both fight their charges at the judiciary tomorrow night. Uh, Ravarro's taking three to four weeks on the sideline for a shoulder charge. Um, good old lady. What are their chances? Low. <laughs> okay, good. Low. Fantastic. A few people got fined as well. We've but, already whatever. seen now that the match review committee isn't sending everything by default. So their chances are low. Yep. All right. Um, before we get out, we've got some rookie takes. How exciting. Um, if you're new to the show, rookie takes a segment where our Patreon subscribers can submit the dumbest and stupidest things they've read on the internet this week. And then we vote on a winner. Last week's winner by a landslide was that Wally King guy that said Polynesians would destroy a state of origin. Deserved winner, I think. All right. Uh, this week we've got, uh, first of all, uh, this is the second time that a former guest host has been nominated. But uh, Mario Siegs. Manly Sea uh, in a now deleted tweet, which was screenshotted. Uh, Manly Sea Eagles are the first team ever to put 50 on all three Queensland NRL teams in one season. And Jake Turbo is the only player ever to put 50 on all four Queensland teams when you count Origin. He, Jake Turbo didn't play he this didn't play. Jake Turbo <laughs> did not play. Uh, Andy did not watch the game live. Oh, he pulled a Ruan. <laughs> he did. I've been calling him Ruan all day. It's great. Okay, I'm in. We're... <laughs> all right. Um, another. Another former nominee. Again, I hate to do it because of the Love Rugby League project, but Andrew Ferguson back in the nominees list. Tigers need to focus solely on 2022 now. Start with Brooks. Make him captain for three games. Tell him the team is his responsibility. If they don't improve or respond, that he needs to change that or change clubs before 2021 season ends. I First mean, of all, you can't see. change clubs now. It's the past <laughs> deadline. And second of all, why do, this is a thing that transcends sports, right? Why are people obsessed with just like, Hey, this player's playing really shit. We'll give him we'll give him the captain's armband or throw some sort of bullshit leadership role on him and he'll magically get better. Has that ever worked? Ever? Um, just ask Alex Glenn. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, it did, did, didn't. It didn't work, Em. It did not. Uh, my, no, but no. I mean, you know, how many times does Luke Brooks have to fail? <laughs> like, oh. he, he just he gets left at the altar all the time and they one more chance. No. <laughs> yep. 
Like, you um, know, what if they put the armband on him on the weekend and might have lost by 64? Maybe. To also, 60. like, I think he knows that, like, the team is his responsibility. He's the halfback. He's the halfback. And, yeah. and like, yeah, you're not going to fix his, like, I always love that, like, this way of fixing halfbacks who don't communicate. Yeah. He's Even played so many games. And it's like, you know what? You, put, you tell him he's a captain, he might, he might click in his head. Jesus fucking Christ. I've got to start talking. I'm going to tell these guys where to run. Yeah, Fuck. It's like, no. I'm going to let them know when I'm going to kick the ball. It's <laughs> like, oh, geez. This has been wrong my whole career. Thank oh, Christ. Dear. They gave me the captaincy. No, Adam, so I'm kicking it. <laughs> Fuck. All right, this is, I think this is my personal favorite for the week. Holly Burns. Has a decision been made on crowds for tomorrow's Bondi-based Roosters match? Seems sensible to ban while contact tracing is going on. Well, they train at Moore Park, which is half an hour from Bondi and they played at Penrith which is like 80 minutes from Bondi good <laughs> better to be safe than sorry though fucking hell yeah. oh, uh, we got um, the Port Mac Pearl here's a thought Red V fans I've maintained for a while that Dufty is a 5-8 whilst waiting for Sullivan to get back play Dufty at 5-8 Sloan at fullback your thoughts my thoughts are no a uh, friend of the show Maddie McPee replied to that with what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> which <laughs> Is fair. Uh, Get on match, by the way. Good and bad thing if you're a Raiders fan. Good thing that they're going to dodge Matt Dufty. Bad that it took a hit piece from the Dragons for, to, for the, Ra- the Raiders to go, oh shit, that guy can't tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Up until that point, they thought he could. Yeah, they were sweet to like, oh shit, the big guys run over this guy. Like, wait, 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 rewind the tape. <laughs> um, honorary mention, because I don't think we can nominate parking garages as a person. But uh, the secure parking Facebook account put up a post saying, watch Parramatta versus Western Bulldogs live at Bank West this Saturday. And there was a graphic oh, of Parramatta no. and the Western Bulldogs. Good from them. And lastly, we have Josh Wrigley. Compulsory headgear needs to be implemented if they're serious about this concussion issue. Why do you think they wear helmets in the NFL? This high tackle crackdown is rubbish. Josh, my boy, I got some news for you. But you're not going to like it. <laughs> no, he, he, he spent, I saw that thread. He spent that like, thread all my He argued that it was a fact. Yep. Oh, no. He obviously doesn't follow NRL physio. No. Um, also, if there was or science. If there were no helmets science. in the NFL, there would be far fewer head injuries, which that point is inarguable. But oh, anyway, okay. um, if you want to submit a rookie take and vote in the worst rookie takes, uh, you must be a member of our Patreon subscription service. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL rookies. You get merchandise, access to our Discord server, entry into next year's Coltrane Cup teaming competition, and plenty more. And we'll give a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers of our Patreon service. They are Chris Avnell. Dave, Carlo Tyson, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayne Ritchie, Alex Sergicomi, Anthony Anger, Ben Wallace, Big Chief 69, Blake Moretti, Blame Hud, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Frankie, Harvey G, Jace G, Jack Snape, James K, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, Josh Tomo 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Maddie Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Maddie McPee, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I'm sad, Never Trendy, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Swarzy, Ty, the not so mature age student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, Turbos Heroes, and Warwick Ahern. Thank you so much for your continued support. And to everyone in the lower tiers as well, and to everyone who just listens, uh, we love you dearly. I noticed a couple of names in there who'd upped their tier this week. So thank you to those people as well. A special extra thank you to you. Uh, Mitchell, I noticed someone's name was missing. Whose name? I just didn't. There was a name that I was reading out all the all the top tier patrons just then. It didn't come up. Uh Surprise, surprise. I am. Oh. My ding dong is hard. <laughs> oh, is that you? Oh, well. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'll split that this week. Mitch, ding dong update and depression update. 
Not uh, the other way around. Or what's all right? What's your ding dong situation? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, well, no. you asked. All right. Okay. Good. Uh, I'm ready to go. I'm fired up after yelling at Paul Green. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. All right, and we'll be back with question time tomorrow. Uh, say goodbye, M. Thanks for coming on once again. Thanks, guys. See ya. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>